Thanks so much for joining us. My name's Carmen Choi. I'm a special counsel with Herbert Smith Freehills based in Melbourne. My focus areas are privacy and data, and it's really great to have Peggy Chow joining me today. Hi, Peggy. Hi, Carmen. Um, thanks for having me. My name is Peggy Chow. I'm of counsel based in Singapore. Uh, my core practice area is Asia data protection and cybersecurity laws. So today we are going to take a look at targeted advertising from data privacy laws perspective. Um, to put simply, targeted advertising just means showing your ads to the right person at the right time. Um, in order to achieve this, we will need to trace users' online activities. Um, and the tool to trace the activities and collect data is by using third-party tracing cookies. However, the use of um, tracing cookies to track users' behavior online has raised some um, privacy concerns among consumers. In response um, to that a concern, uh, big tech companies have proposed significant changes in terms of uh, their practices in recent years. So for example, Google plans to phase out third parties' cookies from its uh, Chrome browser by year 2024. For Apple, as you may know, um, you know in their new iOS 14 system, um, they will no longer allow um, you know, um, uh, apps to track users' behavior or um, the users' history on iPhone unless they have obtained consent from um, iPhone users. And um, similarly for Google, um, they also have plans to end cross-app tracking on Android devices by year 2024. Yeah, these are uh, really big changes, I think. And the Apple one is already having quite a significant effect, um, certainly seeing that pop up. Uh, a lot on my phone. Um, I thought it'd be useful to just give a bit of a quick reminder on how cookies uh, have been working, uh, or I guess at least uh, up until these sorts of changes, how they've been working in targeted advertising. So when a website leaves uh, one of these small text files or cookies on a user's browser, the cookie can be used to track the user's activity on the website, and in some cases, even across other websites and devices. So uh, you, you sometimes hear talk about first-party cookies and third-party cookies. First-party cookie is the one where the website that the user is visiting is the one that's setting the cookie and the one that's using it in relation to the activity on the website. The third-party cookie is a cookie that's set by another domain, so not the website that's being visited by the user and, and possibly a website that the user may never visit. And the way that this occurs is when the publisher of the website itself adds third-party elements to their website. So that could be things like ads, a chatbot, or social media buttons. Once third-party cookies are installed, they can then be used to track users and save their information. And that information can then be used for behavioral advertising and ad targeting. And often this tracking occurs without connecting it to the name or the contact details of the user. And so the advertisers and ad platforms are often seeking to argue from a privacy perspective that the information isn't personal data or personal information. Peggy, I know you've been looking at some of the latest developments in the global regulatory landscape on this. What are some of the things that you've been seeing? Sure, Carmen. Um, if we look at data privacy laws, the global trend really is to give more control to individuals on how their data can be used um, if we, uh, for example, look at targeted advertising rules, um, in both um, the EU and the US, um, there are new proposed laws that will require individuals' consent for targeted advertising activities. 
Um, take EU as an example. Um, we have seen a new proposed law called the uh, Digital Services Act. Um, under the new Digital Services Act, there are three requirements in relation to targeted advertising. The first requirement is in relation to consent. So, um, you know, the DSA has set out a higher standard for obtaining consent from individuals for conducting targeted advertising activities. Also, like, um, you know, in terms of the consent withdrawal system, it should be easy for, um, you know, individuals to withdraw their consent, which has already been given for um, ad, um, um, targeted advertising. The second point is in relation to um, uh, the options uh, that uh, digital services providers will need to provide consumers with. So um, they are required to at least um, offer some tracking-free advertising options. Um, the third is relation, um, the third point is in relation to the use of children's or minors' personal data or sensitive personal data. So basically the rule is that, um, you know, this type of sensitive data or children's data should not be used in targeted advertising. In the U.S., um, we also have seen um, in certain states um, uh, which have um, enacted uh, data privacy laws to allow consumers to opt out from targeted advertising. Um, so having, um, you know, giving you like kind of like a overview of, um, you know, targeted advertising specific laws and regulations, I think we can also take a look at the new rules on the use of tracking cookies. Um, there have been some developments in Europe and Japan. In the EU, um, we have seen a newly proposed of e-privacy regulations. Um, and this one is actually, um, um, you know, if it's uh, finalized and added, it will replace um, the current e-privacy directives. So the, under the e-privacy regulations, one of the requirements is really to require browser to provide an easy way for users to accept or refuse tracking cookies. In Japan, um, under the newly amended APPI, the uh, Japan Data Privacy Laws, um, the amended law would require companies to obtain users' consent before sharing pseudonymized information. And the idea is that, um, you know, even if, um, you know, an individual cannot, an individual cannot be identified from the pseudonymized information. Um, however, if once that data is shared with a third party, if that third party receiving the data could identify the individual uh, by combining the pseudonymized data with, um, you know, any data that is in their possession, then the sharing of such data with um, that third party would require users' consent. In other parts of Asia, for example, Hong Kong, Singapore, or Korea, um, we haven't seen any laws or regulations which directly govern um, target advertising activities. However, um, the general rule under data privacy laws in these jurisdictions would be followed. So the idea is that, number one, um, data subjects should be notified of the use of cookies. And secondly, um, they should be given an opportunity to opt out from marketing communications. So come on, after taking a look at these global developments, can you tell us a little bit about the trends in Australia? Yeah, thanks, Peggy. It's uh, it's interesting. Um, some of these trends we're, we're seeing in Australia and, and, and there's also some other different types of moves. Um, there's actually been a very specific inquiry uh, conducted in relation to advertising technology, uh, also known as ad tech, uh, which uh, has been conducted by the ACCC, which is Australia's competition and consumer regulator. So not the uh, privacy or data regulator, 
uh, but the competition regulator. And so a lot of the focus of this particular inquiry has been on competition issues, which is not something we're sort of talking about so much today. Uh, but it's also interesting to see uh, that there is some overlap between the competition and the privacy issues. And also, generally, as a regulator, the ACCC is one that is taking increasing interest in data and privacy. So one of the things where this sort of tension between competition and privacy seems to be coming out and that's reflected in this inquiry is the idea that um, some of the privacy controls being proposed by the big platforms may actually have the effect of reducing competition. Uh, and so that's one of the things that they are focusing on. They look at this idea of a, a common user ID as potentially a way to solve some of the competition problems. Uh, so that is, there would be a way that um, a user of the ads uh, or user of websites would be recognisable across multiple websites, but also across multiple platforms. But ultimately, they rejected that proposal because of the privacy risks. Um, one of the recommendations that they made, which had, I guess, a bit more of a kind of data privacy sort of impact, was a, a recommendation around greater transparency um, towards consumers, particularly around first party data use. So then, what we're also seeing in Australia is uh, some reform proposals relating to privacy more broadly. And interestingly, some of these have actually come out of some of the activity of the ACCC uh, because the ACCC conducted an inquiry into digital platforms, which made some recommendations around privacy, which were also supported by the Information Commissioner. Uh, and so one of these has been a proposal to introduce an online privacy code, which will apply to large online platforms, really the type that were the subject of that ACCC inquiry, social media services, uh, and also data brokerage services. Uh, and the expectation, even though we don't have a draft of it yet, is it'll have things like more prescriptive requirements around privacy policies, uh, privacy notices and consents, uh, and also more explicit rights to object to uh, types of processing of personal data that the consumer is not, not happy with. We're also looking at reforms to the Privacy Act more broadly. Uh, and so some of the things that may well impact on targeted advertising uh, are potentially an expansion of the meaning of personal information and looking at including technical types of information uh, as specifically referenced within uh, that definition. Uh, also, the potential for pro-privacy default settings for, for particular areas. And then targeted advertising actually gets specifically mentioned in some of the discussion papers around this reform as an area where there may need to be uh, a greater risk assessment, so something similar to what we have in under GDPR with data protection impact assessments, and then also a clearer right to opt out of these sorts of activities. Uh, there'll also need to be a more specific notice of use or disclosure of personal information to influence behaviour. So there's one more thing I wanted to mention from the Australian perspective, uh, and it's it's not so much law reform, it's actually a recent case, and it's not even a targeted advertising case, but it is a case that I think could have some relevance. Uh, and it's a case that involves 7-Eleven and facial recognition. So um, customers would come into a 7-Eleven store and uh, were invited to complete a survey on a tablet device. Uh, and in completing that survey, a face print was taken uh, of the customer uh, and stored in a blurred form, uh, but used for um, uh, to essentially identify 
that no customer was completing this survey twice and also to pick up certain demographic information about the customer. But these face prints were blurred. You couldn't actually look at the image uh, and, and um, sort of identify it like a photo like you normally could. It's like the background I'm working with here rather than the, the foreground of my face. Uh, and so the argument that was being made by 7-Eleven was that this was not personal information uh, because they uh, weren't collecting information about the name or the contact details of the customer. They weren't able to actually look at the picture and work out who the person was. Uh, but the information commissioner disagreed and said that this was personal information because the individual was uh, able to be distinguished from other members in a group. And that was the purpose of collecting those face prints. Um, and they said that uh, whether an individual is reasonably identifiable, which is part of the definition of personal information in Australia, uh, it, it is looking at whether any person other than the individual or even a machine uh, can identify the individual. Uh, and, and the reason I raise this case in the context of targeted advertising is there is potential for that sort of logic to be applied to cookies. And you might recall I was saying earlier that uh, some of the arguments that's been, that are being run in the targeted advertising industry is that the way cookies are used are not personal information because the uh, the identity of the individual uh, through their name, contact details, et cetera, is not known to the uh, to the platform or to the advertiser uh, in in the context of that advertising. So it will be interesting to see uh, how that pans out. Quite possibly, also the reforms might make some of those uh, approaches to the interpretation of personal information um, crystallise further. Uh, so I thought we've been talking about the sort of regulatory and the technological changes. Um, Peggy, what are you seeing come next for targeted advertising? Sure. Um, so, um, you know, because of these um, inherent privacy issues with the use of tracking cookies, we have seen um, new alternatives being proposed for conducting targeted advertising. So one alternative uh, is called uh, contextual advertising. So basically, um, it involves the use of artificial intelligence. So AI is used to analyze the text or images on the app website to instantly display relevant ads to the consumers. Um, the advantage of contextual advertising is that um, it does not require collection of personal data. And um, the technology actually enables real-time response to a consumer's interests rather than relying on the consumer's browsing or search histories. And another big move is actually driven by Google. Um, given that Google has uh, made these plans to um, you know, stop using third-party tracking cookies by year 2024, Google has been um, proposing new ways um, to conduct target advertising via the Google Privacy Sandbox. So until end of the end of last year, Google's proposal is a technology called Federated Learning Cohorts, which is essentially a decentralized AI system um, deployed by browsers. So under um, this new model, advertisers, they, do, um, they no longer select individuals to target. Instead, um, they would um, advertise to a given cohort. However, as you, as you may imagine, um, there's still um, some inherent risk in terms of uh, individuals' re-identification. And that's why Google um, has announced um, this earlier this year that um, instead of relying on um, federated learning cohorts, um, they will uh, rely on a new technology, 
um, this new technology is called topics. So the, icons, the, uh, the idea of um, topics is that um, the users will be assigned to topic categories through an algorithm that is built into a device that can read the contents of a web page. Um, the idea is that users' site histories uh, would generate a weekly report for a number of topics, and the users can actually view, remove, or opt out of these topics. Um, the, users, um, the users' browser will then share a limited set of top topics with advertisers for the advertisers to send and deliver ads to these individuals. And the um, beauty of this um, new technology is that um, you know, all the computation would be um, carried out on the user's device, so nobody would get the information, including Google. Um, so I think uh, we will uh, just wait and see uh, if topic will be the new technology that will be deployed after 2024. So common, um, we've discussed uh, uh, this topic um, for some time. So would you like to give our audience uh, some concluding remarks? Yes, concluding remarks on the topic indeed. Uh, it's certainly an interesting time. And I think what you're saying, Peggy, you know, highlights the importance of uh, I guess, monitoring what seems to be a time of quite considerable change in what the uh, ad platforms and the operating systems are doing. So it's going to be a really big part for the advertisers to navigate, along with, I think, a greater awareness and engagement with the regulatory environment, which is which is also uh, changing. And, and, you know, in some ways, it's probably been part of the catalyst for the changes to, to the technology. Um, as you're saying earlier, I think um, giving consumers greater choice and control is going to be uh, an important factor here uh, and where that's increasing from from what it had been before uh, I think part of the consideration then will need to be uh, well on what uh, basis will the consumer want to be encouraged to 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 give that consent so what's the uh, what's the benefit from the consumer's perspective in in the targeted advertising so uh, that will need to be to be another one of the thoughts for the ad platforms and the advertisers. So that brings us to the end of our session today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this has been part of HSF's Future of Consumer series. So please keep an eye on the HSF website for more updates, webinars and podcasts. Thanks so much, Peggy. Thanks, Carmen. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.